<laughs> you guys, how was this week? How was having the kids back in school? Was it good? If you're a teacher or a principal, you're kind of like, well, it was, it was work. I laughed this week. I saw a post uh, or an Instagram story from Ayla Keller. She's one of our worship leaders here at the church, and she posted, this is the first year both of our kids are going to school at the same time, and some of you know what that's like. And she posted on Instagram, she's like, what do I do now? Like, she dropped them off at school. She's like, what do I do now? And I was like, just take a nap, right? Enjoy it. Catch your breath. For lots of us, summer vacation is... Uh, over, and that doesn't mean summer is over, but I I hope you guys had a summer, a good summer. I know me and my family, we had a really good summer, but it didn't start off good. My summer started off really not great. It was the first beautiful day of the year, and so me and my family went to Gregor Lake. We like to go out there to fish and hang out on the beach, Uh, and we spent the day fishing and swimming and reading, and and I made sure, because I'm a good dad, to start the day by putting sunscreen on both of my kids lathered them up, made sure they were going to be just fine, and then I didn't put any on myself like a dummy, right? And uh, my, my son, Camille, he looked at me, Dad, he's like, don't you need to put on sunscreen? And like in my desk, best dad voice, I was like, Camille, I'm Métis, I don't burn. <laughs> and uh, you guys, I burnt. Uh, I burnt really, uh, really, really bad, like Adrian's cooking burnt bad. Like it was, it was really really bad. I was burnt from head to toe, and uh, uh, everything hurt, and, and, and I had to lead worship the next day at church, and so I showed up, and like, I'm, people thought something was wrong, because I was like, red, uh, but they didn't know the worst of it, and I had to get up here and lead worship, and like, the strap on my shoulder, and my guitar against my stomach, I was miserable at church, you guys, and I was like singing, Jesus loves me, but it did not feel like it in the moment. <laughs> that night, that Sunday night after church, uh, I was pretty miserable. But my, my wife, my loving wife, she put out one of those like one-gallon bucket of uh, off-brand Walmart aloe veras for me, like a whole lot of it, right? And I just lathered that stuff on. And it helped a little bit, but, you know, it, it wasn't very effective. But I laid down in bed, and I turned out the light, and we're going to sleep. And in the darkness in the room, I hear like a bottle click open and some like fluid being squirted out. And I pop on the light, only to discover Adrian has this high-end, expensive, medicated burn gel that she's using on her little shoulder burn, and she was hiding it from me. So much for till death do you part, in sickness and in health, right? Here's the thing. Will you have something good, When you know something important, it's unkind not to share it with somebody else. Adrian. Now, we're in the middle of this message series, uh, like Doug said, called Christian Atheists. It's a series where we're focusing on what it means when people believe in God, but their lives don't really reflect it. They believe uh, that Jesus loves them, but they don't act like it. You know, they believe like... uh, We've covered all sorts of things. We believe in Jesus, but you don't live like he actually exists. We live lives where we believe in him, but we spend a lot of time running away from him. And this morning, I'm going to talk about another way in which you and I can become Christian atheists. And when we believe in Jesus, but we don't share our faith. Now, I mean, it's funny that Adrian had something good that she didn't want to share with me. Uh... But when it comes to faith, faith is so much more important. Faith is so much more significant. 
If you have faith, it is good news to anyone who hears it. In one of his very first sermons, Jesus outlined what good news really means. He stood in front of a crowd uh, in his hometown of Nazareth, and he read from this ancient scroll called Isaiah. Isaiah was this ancient Hebrew scripture uh, that pointed towards a coming rescue, that pointed towards a coming Messiah even, somebody who was going to rescue the people of Israel. And so this book was very important in their culture. It was a book of hope. It was a, it was a hard book. There was some hard stuff in it, but it was a book about hope pointing forward to the future. And Jesus stood in front of this home crowd in Nazareth, and he reached back into time and grabbed this scripture from Isaiah and claimed it for the present. This is what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, and the blind will see, and the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And the room, when he read that, the room went silent. Is he saying what we think he's saying? Is he really saying what we think? He's, he can't be saying that. And then Jesus made it clear and removed any doubt. And he said, the scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus is saying, I am the one. I am the good news. I have been sent to release the captives. I have been sent to free the blind. I am the good news. This is the good news story of Jesus. Many of us know it, that those who are filled with shame find forgiveness. Those walking in darkness discover light. Those harassed by the enemy of their souls find freedom. And those whose bodies begin to fail them can find healing in the blood of Jesus. If you're a Jesus follower, you know this good news. You know that God forgives the unforgivable and touches the untouchable and loves the unlovable. This is the good news. You know it because it's your good news. Jesus is the good news that brings great joy. And yet, for many of us, we end up keeping that good news to ourselves. We don't share the gift of faith that we have been given. And we take the light we've discovered, and as uh, Jesus said, we hide it under a bowl. We believe in Jesus, but we, we don't share our, our faith. And, and you guys, I get it. There are like plenty of reasons why it's intimidating or uncomfortable to share your faith. I don't know if you've ever been like up late at night flipping through the channels. If you do that, if you have cable, if you have cable, you do that still. Uh, and you come across like a televangelist. And it's like, it's a little embarrassing, right? You're a little bit embarrassed that they say they're a Christian and you're a Christian too. Really, they're grifters who are trying to get gullible money to give them money. And, and so maybe you don't want to share your faith because you don't want to be associated with them. Or you don't want to be associated with some of the horrible things that have been done in the name of Jesus. Or some of the, the politics that are uncomfortable and kind of gross to you. And you don't want to be associated with that. I get it. There's all sorts of reasons not to share your faith. Or maybe you don't share your faith because you don't feel qualified right? You don't feel like you've read your Bible enough. You don't think you know enough. You're not articulate enough. These, this, is, this is a reason why we don't share our faith. We'll leave it to, to the guys up from the stages to share their faith. But you know a good news story. And I have good news for you is God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. So if you don't know what you're talking about, guess what? That means you should be talking. You should be sharing your 
faith. Now, my friend James, who was playing keys this morning, he's a man of God. He has been an inspiration to me. Uh, when they showed up many, many years ago, they mentored me as a worship leader, James and Rita. And, and James and Rita have played a very important role in my life. And one of the greatest lessons I've learned from James uh, as he likes to refer to this story in the Bible, it's, it's in the older scriptures and numbers from Numbers 20, and it's this story where God used uh, Balaam's donkey to communicate a message on behalf of God. And James likes to refer to the story of a talking donkey in scripture, and he likes to say, well, if God can use Balaam's ass, he can use me too, right? <laughs> this man of God, James. And I'm convinced if God can use James... He can use me, and he can use you. Maybe you don't think you know enough. You know Jesus, and that is enough. In history, God loves, has loved using over and over again the most unlikely people to tell his good news story. Jesus loves to use the unlikely, the unqualified, and the uneducated people to tell their good news story about what Jesus has done in their life. The Gospels are full of these stories. Uh, the Gospels are the first four books in your New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're named after the people who authored those books. Matthew uh, was right in Jesus' inner core. He saw all these things happen firsthand, and he wrote about them. Uh, Mark was a contemporary with Peter, and so he sat with Peter and heard Peter's own stories described, uh, and he wrote them down in his book, Mark, and, and he, he, was a, he was a part of the uh, first century church. And then there's Luke. Luke was a physician, an educated person who set out to to interview eyewitnesses and prove the, the, the stories of Jesus to others. And then John. John was well, maybe Jesus' closest friend on this earth. And John saw behind the scenes and behind the veil, and he wrote what he saw about the life of Jesus. These are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call them the Gospels. They're basically just the narrative stories of the life of Jesus. In the Gospel, the word Gospel just simply means good news. The Gospels are this, this good news story of Jesus. And if you're looking for a place to start reading your Bible, if you don't read a Bible, I, I encourage you. It can be incredibly rewarding. The, a good place to start is the Gospels. Don't, don't start at the beginning. It's a bit of a slog after the few, first few books. And, and you, need, you need the context of Jesus to make everything before it makes sense. And so start reading in the Gospels. Now, one of the most unlikely people to share their good news story in the Gospels was a woman named Mary. Now, there's lots of Marys in the Gospels, a very popular name at the time. So it's not Mary, mother of Jesus, and uh, it's not Martha and Mary. This is a different Mary. Um, she is a Mary that traveled with Jesus, and so, among with other women, traveled with Jesus and supported his ministry financially and in many other ways. And the Gospel writers actually mention this woman, Mary of Magdalene, more than most of the disciples are even mentioned. They go out of their way to tell Mary's story in the Gospels. She played an important part in the ministry of Jesus, and she knew Jesus personally. Luke mentions that Mary was actually set free from demonization, likely at the hands of Jesus. So Jesus was the one who gave her freedom. That's part of her good story. Now, the prominent featuring of Mary and the other women in the Gospels 
is kind of interesting. In this ancient world, women basically had no rights, right? It's very different. It's, it's almost impossible for under, us to understand the, the situation, the plight of women in this early time. A woman, uh, a husband could divorce her, his wife. A husband could divorce his wife just by saying it out loud. And she could not have the same recourse. She could be completely abandoned just at the word of her husband. Or, or even, you know, in the story we talked about a couple of weeks ago where the woman was caught in adultery, was dragged before Jesus, but no man was dragged before Jesus. The woman was held accountable for her actions, but not the man. And then even in, like, the court of law, the way the system of law worked at the time, a woman's testimony was not even admissible in the court of law. And so if a man disagreed with her, his testimony was taken over her. So this is just the way the culture was. It's hard to imagine the way women and children were marginalized in this ancient world. And yet, Mary plays a prominent role in the good news story of Jesus. You see, when Matthew and John, people in the inner circle of Jesus, when they wrote their Gospels, they were quick to say, we, the night Jesus was arrested, we ran and hid. They admitted it. They didn't hide it. We were cowards. And they're even quicker to point out that Mary and the other women did not run and did not hide. See, Mary was there when Jesus was beaten and nailed to a cross. Everyone ran, but not Mary. Mary was there when Jesus hung on a cross and cried out, It is finished, and breathed his last breath. And he, she was there and watched as Nicodemus and the others took him down from that cross. And she was there and watched as they placed him in a tomb. And she was there and watched and sorrow filled her heart as the stone was rolled in front of the tomb. I can't even imagine Mary's sorrow in all of this. She had believed this man, Jesus, was the Messiah, the one sent to rescue them. More than that, this man had become her friend. And now her whole world has been turned upside down and has come crashing down. But that's not where her story ends, is it? One morning after Jesus had been buried, Mary made her way to where she had seen Jesus laid in the tomb. And her heart was heavy. She had lost her leader, her teacher, her friend. Her future was in question. Every step towards that tomb that morning took courage. Grief is a heavy burden. For those of us who know grief, grief is a heavy, heavy burden. And when she arrived at the tomb, she was alarmed to discover that the stone had been rolled away. And her heart broke a second time because somebody had stolen Jesus' body from the tomb. This is how John records that story. Let's read it. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot, crying. And the angels asked her, uh, sorry, dear woman, sorry, I'm bad at reading sometimes, you guys. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they have put him. And she turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. 
Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. And then Jesus says, Mary, Mary. And upon hearing the voice of Jesus say her name, she turned to him and cried, oh, teacher. Grief can be blinding. Grief can be blinding. But I love that when she sees Jesus for the very first time, she thinks he's the gardener, right? She doesn't even recognize him. How often do you or I make this mistake and not recognize Jesus at work and moving in our lives and our families? Jesus has an assignment for her, one that he planned out in advance. This meeting with Mary at the tomb is on purpose. John goes on to record this. Jesus said, don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go and find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. The first person to witness the resurrected Jesus was Mary, a woman, someone whose testimony, whose trustworthiness was not counted in the court of law. But this is the first person that Jesus chose to tell his good news story to. Mary, go tell the others. And boy, did she. She ran to the disciples. She told them the good news. And the world has never been the same since. This is Mary's good news story. Jesus found me. I was broken. I was battered. I was assaulted on evil, uh, by evil on every side. And he picked me up. Jesus gave me a purpose. He gave his life for me so that I might share in his resurrected life. That's her story. What's yours? Were you drowning in addiction and Jesus set you free? Was your life falling apart? Was your family falling apart and Jesus helped put it back together? Were you spiraling and lost and didn't even know if you wanted to live to tomorrow, but Jesus gave you a purpose to live? What is your good news story? Your good news story starts in the Bible, but your good news story begins and ends in the life that you're living, the truth of that good news story in your life right now. On the first day of the uh, Horse River Fire here in Fort McMurray, me and my four-man crew initially responded to Beacon Hill. That's where we started. Uh, but when everyone got evacuated, it came over the loudspeaker for the firefighters to abandon that area. We ended up getting reassigned to Wood Buffalo and Dickensfield area, and I was really annoyed. Uh, I did not want to come back across the bridge over to this side of town when I knew what was happening over there. And so I very begrudgingly followed orders and ended up in Dickensfield, uh, Wood Buffalo area. And the reason why I was mad is because I, I didn't think there was any fire risk in that area. I felt like I was being reassigned to an area that didn't need me. And part of the problem was is I didn't have a radio. Uh, there, was no way, there was no communication from command to our crew, and so we had no information. And so we started setting up to defend the area in Buffalo Dickensfield area, and uh, completely unaware that the fire had crossed the Athabasca River. We had no idea 
uh, that that had happened. And so we're setting up to defend the area, and I hear a siren from the sky. And it's one of those little bird dog planes that lead the water bombers in. And I pulled up my phone really quick, and I, I'll just show the video if you guys want to run it. We had no idea that 200 meters into the forest, there was a fire barreling towards us. You can hear my buddy Ryan say, well, we're in the right spot, right? We had no idea, but you know who knew? It was those pilots. They had the perspective. They had the information. They knew something that I didn't know. And because they shared, because of their help, because of their effort, because they did what they, with that information, they moved on it and acted on it, they helped me and protected me. What do you know? What perspective do you have? What angle have you been blessed to know that could bless and benefit another person, another family, a coworker, a friend, somebody you go to school with. What do you have? What faith story do you have that somebody you know needs to hear? The Apostle Paul put it this way, or no, Peter said it, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to share the good news story inside of you. You should know your, listen, you should know your good news story. You should actually probably practice it in the mirror. You should know your good news story. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to challenge us this morning. I'm going to give you three questions or three statements, a practical way that you can practice and, and articulate and prepare your good news story to share with someone else. So you can start off, you can say, before I met Jesus, I used to be depressed. I used to always be angry at my kids or at work. I was always upset. Before I met Jesus, I used to be addicted to alcohol or to drugs or to pornography. I, I was so stuck in these sin patterns before I met Jesus. That's a way to start a good story, isn't it? Or you could say, when I found Jesus, I was alone. I was so lonely. Or I was suicidal. I didn't want to live to see tomorrow. Or my, my, everything around me, my life, my finance, was, everything was spiraling. When, when I found Jesus, I thought he was the gardener. There's a story. And now that I know Jesus, I have freedom. The things that used to hold me back, like shame and disappointment and self-hate and all those things that, that are bad for us. Now that I know Jesus, I have freedom. Now that I know Jesus, I have purpose. I belong to someone. I belong to a community. I have a place where I belong. These are, these are good news stories. And it can, these are your stories. I know, I know you people. I've, I've sat with you, had coffee. These are your stories. And these are the good news stories of what Jesus does in our lives. And here's the thing. I know that somebody out there has a story a little bit like yours. And right now they're praying. They're praying for that freedom. They're praying for that hope. They're praying. They feel desperate. They feel lost. They feel abandoned. They feel like they don't belong anywhere. And if you were to share your story with them, your Jesus good news story, it could change the world for them. You can be the answer to somebody's prayer. 
So who do you know that needs to hear your good news story? Who do you know that needs to sit with you here at Fort City Church and will discover Jesus? Now, here's the last thing I want to say before we close with communion in a moment of worship. The uh, worship team, if you guys want to come back up, you're welcome to do so at this time. The last thing I want to say is maybe you don't feel like you have a good news story. Right here I am on stage telling you to tell your good news story, but you're like, Lucas, there's no good news. I don't have a good news story to share. You might feel like more like Mary in her sorrow walking towards this tomb with no good story to tell than you do like Mary running back to the disciples to tell them the good news. Maybe your good news story hasn't been written yet, but it can start today. You can begin today. Jesus wants to give you a new story to tell. He wants to give you something to talk about. He wants to meet you right where you are. Maybe you need hope or healing or freedom or forgiveness. He wants those things for you and he wants to help you write a new story, one worth talking about. And So this morning you can give him your life. You can trust your story in the hands of Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time. And so if that's you this morning, if you feel like I don't, I don't have a good news story to tell, we want to help you start a new story this morning. And so after our service is over, there's going to be a team of people who pray over on the side of the stage here. If you want to commit for the very first time or the first time in a long time to trust in your story in the hands of Jesus, these people will help you articulate that and put that into a prayer. This morning we're going to close with communion. And there's something beautiful about communion Jesus has promised to meet us at the table a table where we remember his sacrifice how he shed his blood making a way for you and I to be reconciled to God and our creator and at this table, at this communion table, we can receive the grace and the mercy and the blessing and the presence and power of our Savior fresh every single time and so the band's going to lead us in a moment of worship. And as they do, we're going to actually have uh, our prayer team, some of our connection team are going to serve communion. You guys can come right up now and you can take your places. And they're going to serve us communion. And as you take the bread and the juice back to your seat, remember the, the bread represents his body, his body given for us, his body broken for us. A gift we could not uh, deserve or earn on our own grace. He gave it to us, his body broken. And the, and the juice represents his blood poured out for us that made us covenant people, that made us people of the promise, the promise of God, the promise of Jesus that he will forgive you, but not just leave you in a, in a forgiven state, but give you blessing on blessing on blessing and give you his presence in the place of your shame. And so this morning, remember as you come forward for communion and take those elements back to your seat, that is the body broken for you and the blood poured out for you that confirms the promise of Jesus to love you, to have a place for you, to give you purpose in his name. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that in this room now and watching online is a multitude of stories. And some are at the climax, some are at the beginning, some are nearing the end. And Jesus, what makes our stories worth telling isn't isn't often the things we think it is. It makes our stories worth telling is you, where you interrupt our lives, 
and change everything for us. And so, Jesus, I pray right now for those in this room who feel like they don't have a good news story to tell. Jesus, capture their heart right now in this moment. Give them a story to tell. Where they need, meet those needs. Where they want, meet those wants. Jesus, bless those people and begin writing a good news story that they can share. And for those of us who know you, who have loved you, who have who've experienced a life of blessing because we've chosen to follow you, give us courage to share that good news story, to be bold, to be ready, to give an account of the hope that we have in Jesus. I pray this in your name. Amen.